In an abandoned steel factory, a killer attacks their prey in the shadow of the long cold blast furnace. Left to die and bleeding profusely, the victim scratches a name into the rusty ground. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Conan Episode 11, The Piano Sonata Moonlight Murders. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, but I'd most like to be remembered as the guy who figured out who killed Clippy, the office assistant. Did you kill Clippy, the office assistant? No, I figured out who killed Clippy. You ever wonder why he disappeared? Who killed Clippy then? Microsoft executives. Oh, that checks out. So what I want to tell folks is what we're watching today, you can in the US find on Crunchyroll as case closed episodes 11 through 12, the Moonlight Sonata murder case. It's very confusing because when they brought this to the US, they split it into two episodes. And so from here on out, the numbers of the Japanese numbers for the episodes and the English numbers for the episodes are not going to match, but we'll say which one is which so that you can find the appropriate episode. We are going to spoil all the secrets of this if you, in case you want to watch in advance. And this is a pretty good one. So I definitely recommend checking it out if you are so inclined, but you're also welcome to just join us for the podcast. Someone who uh, always is welcome to join us for the podcast is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. You continue- You say welcome, but is it obligatory? No, you, you, I, I guess you could leave the podcast if you wanted. Oh, thank God. Bye. <laughs> get, get back here. Okay. You interrupted me in the middle of saying you uh, continue to live with me and watch a lot of anime, which mm-hmm. is what I always say. So That's I what you always say. Could have let it go. Mm-hmm. We're talking a bit about music today. For a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Music is a big part of anime. Mm. I feel like we've already talked about this. Mm-hmm. What is a piece of music in anime that stands out to you, but that you haven't mentioned before? Ooh, I wasn't prepared for that question. You could have let me know ahead of time. I don't know. I know a lot of dumb, bad anime music. Sometimes, like, I can, I know all the words, which, like, I don't even necessarily know all the translations of the words, <laughs> especially stuff from when I was, like, 13 years old, and I was, yeah. like, really invested in knowing all the syllables for some reason. But uh, ooh, a lot of Digimon music is, is from that era for me. So I know a lot of uh, Digimon music. Butterfly and Braveheart. Yeah, lots of that stuff. Koji Wada, who has left us, uh, left this world a few years ago, very sadly and early, was a very favorite Japanese vocalist of mine. I just want to point out, I did not ask you a question about Digimon this time, and you, and you still <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> well, if you talk about anime music, that's something that sticks out in my head for sure. So what have you got for us today, Mike? Uh, well, we've talked about it before, uh, but there's a point at which it becomes important, So, and there's not really anything else very culturally that happens uh, in these episodes, So, I, well, Japanese culture. So I thought I would talk about kanji and furikana a bit. So kanji are the, you know, the Chinese characters that have been borrowed into Japanese language. They're what you think of probably if you're not that familiar with Japanese. There are actually three alphabets, the katakana and hiragana, which are both the phonetic alphabets. And then these are like the typical Chinese characters that you may think of. There are a total of approximately, uh, it is approximate because nobody agrees what the actual number of used kanji are, but approximately 50,000 are recognized by the comprehensive Japanese kanji dictionary. 50,000 distinct different sim- symbols that mean different words. and in- Different symbols, yes, different kanji. There is a list of exactly 2,136, which are considered necessary for functional literacy. 
uh, and a total of approximately 13,000 uh, have been adapted into like technological standards. Like if you want to release like an IDE or a keyboard, et cetera, et cetera, they have to be capable of those characters. And a big thing that comes into play uh, here is the pronunciation. Kanji do not have a fixed pronunciation. They can have several pronunciations depending on whether the beginning, middle, end of a word or a word by themselves, or when it comes to Japanese family names or even personal names, uh, they have fun with it. Uh, they may use the pronunciations differently than you would expect based on their location in the name, the way it's spelled out. So they offer uh, for kanji what is called furikana. And this is both for situations like that and for situations where you are a young child or a foreigner and you are not completely literate on kanji because even in Japan, uh, they don't learn all the kanji that are in popular use until right. their way through high school. So furikana is when they use their phonetic alphabet, hiragana, like in very small characters next to or above or below the kanji in order to provide a pronunciation guide. First of all, it's very helpful for you to have go over that again because it's relevant. It took me several times of you explaining it for me to remember all the different things. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's like a like a strange thing for us having learned English and most people most like western languages. Like there's an alphabet which has 26 letters in them and the and the capital letters and maybe also in the cursive letters, but the idea that like you don't you get to high school and you're still learning like letters and stuff because mm -hmm. it's just a, a very different system mm -hmm. is unusual for us. Well, Let's transition from language back into the topic of music and meet our mystery guest for today. Very excited to have this person on here. As I said last week, if you are a frequent listener to our podcast, you will recognize this person. Our guest this episode is a musician. He has a new album out this past April 2021 called Diversion, which he made after participating in February Album Writing Month. The album is available on Bandcamp and typical streaming services slash stores. One of his older pieces of music plays at the start and end of our episodes, and one time he solved the mystery of the persistent musician. I've cracked the case. It's Jesse Spillane. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So I want to start by just, what can you tell us about your music? Like, what kind of music is it? What's your process like? What? That's a pretty broad question, but... <laughs> so uh, I make uh, instrumental music. Um... It's often along the lines of like fusion music or, or kind of jazzy, but not too much in that direction. You know, it's a mix of uh, you know rock, jazz, electronic music. And I mostly play keyboard, but I'll occasionally throw in some other instruments in there. Yeah, so it tends to be at least partially uh, has an element of like improvisational elements to it. I really like uh, putting strong melodies into things. At least lately. Yeah, I don't know if that describes it at all. Might <laughs> just uh, leave everybody in the dark as to <laughs> what it is, but I think it, it does give folks a sense. And like the strong melodies, I think, is one of the things that I liked about your piece, which I found when I was like searching for stuff to use for the podcast, you have you like very generously provided a bunch of your music with Creative Commons license, which I greatly appreciate the ability to use that for the podcast and the piece that we use, which if you've listened this far into this episode, you've already heard uh, Jesse's music play is called solve the damn mystery, which is probably how I found it by searching the word <laughs> mystery. <laughs> Do you remember that piece? Well, how does that compare to like the stuff you're writing now? Or since folks have heard that already, like does that give them a sense of what to expect from your other music? So in certain ways, like I guess like there's a lot of 
themes and music that I've kind of like kept up over the albums over the years. Um, but there's an inevitable like change in styles and interests after a while. But yeah, that that album I I put out while I was looking for a job after college and kind of had a lot of extra time. <laughs> and what I remember that about that specific song is I had a lot of trouble getting the drums to work with the song. So I did something that's kind of not a great thing when constructing the song. I started with most of the instruments rather than starting with like the drums mm. or, or melodic mis- in- instruments instead of the drums. And so it was like hard to retrofit the rhythm to that. <laughs> and part of that was just an experience and not really knowing what I was doing. I'm not sure I know what I'm doing now, but <laughs> keep doing it. So Well, I I certainly respect it as someone for me, music is the closest thing to magic in the world because it's <laughs> first of all, I, I think I pretty much have a tin ear. Like I like garbage ass music, so <laughs> as well as good music, but I don't have like great taste for music. Uh, I went to Catholic school, so I didn't get like a great music education. I certainly find it to be very impressive. Anyone does any music, so no, which sounds like a shitty way to be to preface that I enjoy <laughs> what I've heard of your music. <laughs> well, thank but you. I mean it <laughs> that I, I find it to be very magical. Uh, anyone who can create music, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, what about diversion? This that's obviously the most recent thing you've made. So what was kind of going into it? So for that, I, I didn't have a super great idea of the direction I was going it was more along the lines of a uh, there's this yearly i don't want to call it a contest it's not really a contest it's february album writing month or fom i don't know how people generally say it <laughs> and that's kind of based on the november uh write a novel month i don't know if i got the order which of the i have participated in half of like three times of my life and then dropped the ball oh, cool. <laughs> I have one complete novel and six started ones. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But the the idea behind this was just to get 14 songs done within the month of February. Now, I, I didn't get 14 songs done because that's way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Getting two songs written, recorded, polished off in two days, basically, um, is really hard for me to do. And I have a tendency of just kind of like letting songs linger for a long time when I'm working on them. So the kind of nice thing about this event is it forces you to not think about a lot of the things that don't really matter. For each song that went into it, I I didn't really have an idea of what I was doing. I just kind of whatever worked and played around with stuff and tried to see where it went. So stylistically, it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> Not really a great um, cohesive album, I guess. <laughs> it sounds a lot like National Novel Writing Month. You just kind of go in and let whatever happens, happens, and just enjoy making something. Yeah, yeah. I find it pretty rude that they chose February and gave you two less days. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they? You're like waiting for that leap year. Like, I'll do it this year because it's an extra day. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to check that out. I think I might have googled you to invite you on the podcast maybe just before that came out because i don't think that came up when i searched okay <laughs> so i'm excited to hear about it mm-hmm. i probably should have googled you again today <laughs> to prepare but no new albums after that yeah we're, we're, it's really neat to kind of hear about that and learn where that music came from but 
I, I definitely have enjoyed hearing at least that one song over and over again. And, and I've listened to some of the other along, uh, songs along the way, too. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to, you know, find find these uh, like various things that are used in my music. What else has used your music? Oh, yeah, that, anything I was interesting? Gonna say. Uh, it, it's a lot, a lot of things like podcasts, like uh, YouTube videos, um, and it's all over the map. There's a... Uh, Recently, someone that's making a game had it as their like background music for some of their like promotional videos for the the game. I got a lot of people coming in for that. And the one that was kind of weird, uh, there was a game. Um, it's like a cooking cooking simulator, I think it was called. They have like a radio in the game. You can turn the radio on. One of the songs is in there. That was kind of strange <laughs> because uh, oh. I don't know. It's like like very professional. Mm. Um, so it felt kind of weird to me. <laughs> I think Cooking Simulator is a relatively big game. I mean, it's an indie game. I've seen it a lot. Yeah, and I kind of found out about it a lot later, I guess. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. It would be really funny to if you had like bought the game and were playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hasn't happened. Um... And you're like... I made this. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> the one I really liked, there was a video of someone like doing their like a dance portfolio video, the music to it, and I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, having searched through like the royalty-free Creative Commons music, there's a lot of certain kinds of music, and also you'll find stuff that you recognize from seeing YouTube videos or slideshows. <laughs> but your your music was, I don't know, it felt different than, to me than a lot of the other stuff that was out there, at least this this album. And uh, and, and it, it felt like the right kind of vibe. So that's, uh, that's how it came to be, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Glad it found a home on your podcast. <laughs> I'm honored to be there. <laughs> and uh, now, you, now you get the inside experience of what goes on here at the not an actual recording studio because it's a remote remote podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I want to ask you on that topic is about murder mysteries. And that might be books, movies, TV shows, podcasts. Is that something you have any interest in or any that you've enjoyed? It's it's like something I don't seek out a lot, but I, I like it when I watch watch those type of things or or read those books um like i really enjoyed the knives out movie it came out i guess 2019 i, I can't remember that was before the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> who remembers anything before the pandemic really <laughs> it was either a th- it was either a thanksgiving or christmas movie that last year um it was like a recent book i read uh the likeness by tara french i think it was her name yeah and um I think I'm kind of into like unsolved mysteries a bit. Some shows about that. I don't know something something intriguing about not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard a lot about unsolved mysteries from our guests. Do you feel like when you're watching, you're like trying to make guesses and trying to figure it out, or do you just kind of let it happen? Probably more on the side of just letting it happen. I'll definitely be like a little bit uh, judgy, I guess. You know, there might be a character <laughs> like, oh, they probably did it. <laughs> do not like them (laughs) and for the most part you're never going to find out whether or not you were right or not so we'll we'll just assume that you've you've got a good sense of it i'm almost always almost always wrong (laughs) (laughs) we'll see how you did with this episode this 
uh, mystery that we're covering today. We're not going to start talking about it just yet, but it's something that Michael and I have seen like so many times and so many years ago, like mm-hmm. to even try to say whether or not we guessed correctly would be just totally unfair. Yeah, I couldn't possibly remember the first time I watched it. We, we don't have a point of comparison, but uh, but I'm curious to see what your experience of was it and, and how surprising all of that was. So the other thing I want to ask about is anime. Is there any anime you've seen or what's your experience in that area? So a lot of the anime I've consumed is, I've kind of consumed it through osmosis, through like roommates or various people. Usually not one to kind of go and seek out shows myself, I guess, Um so I'm thinking like uh, some of the shows I've seen, uh, probably the first couple seasons of Attack on Titan. I've seen various episodes of My Hero Academia. Survived a couple episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure before. <laughs> it was a little much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's the definition of a little much is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It only gets more as it goes along. Yeah, I'm trying to remember names of things I'm kind of blanking right now. Uh, I think there was like a jazz anime. Um, was it like Kids on the Hill? Oh yeah, the Kids on the Hill. I think it was called. I think you're right. Yeah, there's a good a good amount of music anime out there about musicians and or uses mu- music in a, in a couple different ways. Kids on the Slope. That oh, that's it. right. Yeah, that that show had like a some really good. Uh, I guess they're like rotoscope scenes, but good like performances. That I kind of liked how they did it. It kind of showed the interaction between the players really well. In some of the things we've watched recently, like it really stands out. The budget and the attention in the animation is going to the like the scenes where they're performing the music, <laughs> like really detailed how the fingers on the guitar and stuff. Yeah, I guess you're probably thinking of Carol and Tuesday, Noah. Yeah, and Given. Oh, and Given, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Carol and Tuesday had a much bigger budget for musician animation. Well, than it was Given. a much bigger budget overall. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds like you're mostly in the you have friends who have shown you anime category. <laughs> it's kind of how I consume TV a lot of times. It's just like someone's watching it, like, oh, I'll watch that. I guess I'm a little more of a passive consumer of it. <laughs> well, you've seen some mysteries before and you've seen some anime before. So that puts you in a good place. And had you ever seen any detective anime before? I had not. That I remember. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going to sound totally off topic. A pet peeve of mine is with Doctor Who. When people are trying to recommend Doctor Who to people that have never seen it before, they always tell people to watch the episode Blink. Oh. <laughs> which is a great, very entertaining episode mm-hmm. that is so different from most episodes of that show. It's like not, I, I really think it's a bad way to start watch, trying to watch Doctor Who. On the other hand, if you're going to be like, what is detective anime about? This episode that we watched is like up there. It's the most popular, most significant show, and it's one of their most memorable plots and episodes. So for this to be the first time you've seen it, you really get a good sense of the iconic and and memorable moments here. Yeah, it's so iconic to the show that for the thousandth episode of the show, they redid this episode in modern animation. Pretty much the same script. They didn't really change much. Pretty much identical, yeah. <laughs> Redrew it. Just wider and like cleaner. <laughs> Maybe voice acted it again. We didn't, we don't know. Oh yeah, they re-recorded it. They re-recorded it. Mm-hmm. 
let's move in to start talking about it. Mike, what do we need to know about T- Detective Conan? Sure. So Detective Conan uh, are the adventures of high school detective Shinichi Kudo, who once, while watching a mysterious transaction between criminals, was caught off guard and poisoned. His body shrunk into that of a child, and when asked by Ron, his high school almost girlfriend, for his name, he blurted out Detective Conan, and, or I'm sorry, he did not say Detective Conan. He said, Conan Etagawa. Uh, <laughs> that'd be weird if he said, I'm a detective. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so he's been living under the guise of Conan Etagawa uh, with Ron uh, and her detective father in hopes of finding uh, the men who poisoned him on these various investigations. Uh, while keeping it in the dark to protect them? I think this was one of the reasons I was so hesitant in our early episodes to explain the premise of this show is because it's simple, but it's also complicated. There's a lot of little details. It's simple and wild, yeah. (laughs) Before we start talking about the episode in just a moment, I do want to identify a criticism we have for this episode. And we are usually pretty sensitive to not spoil any part of the ending before we get going, but I I am going to spoil part of the ending, which is that Part of the revelation is that it's revealed that the murderer is a man disguised as a woman. And this is definitely a part of this episode that does not hold up. And you would think maybe they addressed it and changed it for the 1000th episode redid, but they didn't change it. It's totally, I don't think, necessary. Like it would all still make sense if they just did it slightly differently. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But they're not really playing into these tropes that exist, but there there are tropes that exist of men disguising themselves as women to be killers, kind of separate from transphobic portrayals of killers, but it it crosses some of the same lines. What's the big one? Is uh, Silence of the Lambs the big one? I think it is. But uh, my knowledge on this subject mostly comes from a YouTube video that uh, ContraPoints did talking about J.K. Rowling's statements and the character in her novel, who was um, a man who dressed up as a woman to kill people. So this is like an existing trope that has negative implications and negative impacts. And you just wish they would be more thoughtful about it. I highly encourage you to check out that YouTube video to see more context. It's the same and it's different than what they're doing here um, because this is not a character. It's just kind of a convenient ruse that they're doing so as so as to carry out these murders. But mm-hmm. there's a greater context there that I just wanted to flag before we start talking about it. Mm-hmm. I do have a sense that there's something historically uh, in this concept Um, And I I don't have a lot of data about it because it's hard to Google quite what I'm looking for. But I've run into an anime before, this idea of a man, quote, living as a woman. And I don't really know what the phrase is. But there's some kind of uh, cultural pretext of somebody living as a gender other that they identify as for various reasons that aren't necessarily similar to or the same as uh, how a transgender person might choose to live their life. It's a, it's like a intentionally to achieve some end. Right. And, you know, most of the other things I'm thinking of are American media or Western media. So there's definitely different cultural things going on here. But there's certainly when we consume it in America, we kind of are going to compare it to our references. So. Right. There's like, there's historically like Kabuki actors who were all men, uh, but they played the female parts and some of them may have uh, lived as their female persona Mm. uh, in their lives. And there's also like, say, historical figures where like they needed to hide their heir. So they claimed their son was their daughter and then the the son lived as a a female. So I think a lot of it is rooted in that, but I don't have specific historical context uh, to provide. All right. um, So the first thing at the very start of the episode and what we've always got to check in on is the opening song. Jesse, any thoughts on the song? Because because we've talked about it before. It's very energetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a 
almost a Elvis Costello sounding. I'm not sure that comparison is is great, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of like '80s, uh, '70s, '80s, like a. I don't want to say bar rock. I, I, I'm going to get all the genres wrong, but... <laughs> you are not contractually obligated to have a professional opinion. No, it's you okay <laughs> if you just liked it or didn't like it. <laughs> uh, I was, like, neutral about it, I think. Neutral. Yeah. yeah. Anything that you remember in terms of imagery or lyrics, and maybe it didn't stand out, that's also fine. Because I kind of went through, like, describing the idea of the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, how he came to be smaller. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it serves a function. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So let's start going through this episode. There's a lot. I'm going to see how expedient we can be. But one of the things I was reading about this episode, I forget if this was on the wiki or if I read it somewhere else, is that I don't know what the normal c- conversion rate is, but usually like a certain amount of chapters of manga becomes a certain amount of episodes of anime. Mm-hmm. And they crammed in apparently a lot of chapters of manga into what is essentially two episodes of anime Mm -hmm. because it's an hour long. And so there's just like lots of characters, lots of details, lots of clues, lots of deaths, lots of secrets, lots of drama, lots of crying, (laughs) lots of fires, lots of piano sonatas, (laughs) lots of drugs, all of that. But we start on a boat. And what happens is we know that Kogoro has gotten a note from someone on this remote island to come and investigate something. Mm -hmm. The note reads, On the night of the next full moon, shadows will once again begin to disappear from Tsukikage Island. Investigate. Signed, Keiji Asao. And then he got a phone call and someone put half a million yen into his bank account. Which is why he's actually going. He seemed pissed off about it too. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird. There were other things he wanted to do. He's Mm -hmm. he's not a great detective. He wanted to go to a flower viewing party, which makes us know that it's now Sakura time in Japan. Oh. It's appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Sakura time here when we're recording. Uh, just after they're all on the fl- they're all on the ground now. <laughs> it's step on Sakura time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the mysterious thing is, right when he gets to the island, they ask for the guy who wrote the note, and they f- find out that he's been dead for ten years by someone who reacts way too big. Like, and I, I like, I don't think it was anyone of significance, right? It wasn't a significant character because their reaction is like, I'm like, you'd think they murdered him because he's like, Oh, that guy died five years ago. Uh, like you could, you would think they'd be like, Oh, that's yeah. weird. That guy died five years ago. Well, not just that person. <laughs> it seems like the guy at the desk didn't know, but like yeah. everybody else in, that was in the room. And there were like 12 people in this tourist office on this small Island, all <laughs> freaking out at, at hearing this guy's name. <laughs> they don't have a lot going on on this Island. But we get the explanation of who this guy is. So the guy that's been dead for 10 years was a famous pianist who was born and raised on the island. I wrote down that he has a mustache. I always seem to write down when people have mustaches. (laughs) And 12 years ago, he, on the night of the full moon, he held a concert in the town community center. And then he went home, shut himself and his family inside of their house, allegedly stabbed his wife and daughter, and continued to play the piano as the fire raged on like he was possessed. Uh, We learn later there were four witnesses who reported this account. And the piece of music that he was playing, if you remember the title of the episode, is The Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. I'm glad I wrote down that it was by Beethoven because I wouldn't have remembered and I would have felt dumb. I've definitely heard Moonlight Sonata before. What do we all think of this piece of music? I feel like I might have played it at one point. I I can't remember, though. It's kind of like one of those things a lot of people have played, so I could convince myself either way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I probably played it as a child. Uh, yeah, I've, I've certainly heard it before, but I 
essentially now associate it with this episode of anime. Like, that's yep. the main mental link in my head. I think they make pretty good use of having it play over the background of scenes and as things are happening. I, I think it's the first movement uh, that's particularly recognizable. But then, like, the second murder takes, spoilers, second murder, takes place, oh, while the second movement is playing. And that wasn't as recognizable to me. Yeah, I didn't recognize it either. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. So shame on me. I think that's pretty common with sonatas and, like, even um, concertos. Is that what orchestras play? (laughs) Like a a concerto? Like, Mozart has concertos? I'm going to get this wrong and embarrass myself, but... uh... Well, you're not a classical musician. That's not your claim to fame, so. <laughs> I thought the concerto was like solo music. That's probably what it is. It's like solo for a piano. Well, there's these all these pieces of music that have multiple movements. And often, like, there's the one movement that we all recognize. And then you go and you listen to the whole thing. And you're like, what is the rest of this? Just looked up the concerto. Concerto is from the late Baroque era, mostly understood as an ins- instrumental composition written for one or more soloists accompanied by orchestra or other ensemble. I realized I'm obviously thinking of symphonies. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's what you're thinking of. <laughs> like, a, a, you know, Mozart's symphony in G major or whatever that probably exists. <laughs> so yeah, the Moonlight Sonata is going to keep coming up. It is pretty well integrated into this series of murders that happens. It's well integrated into, like, ham-fistedly into just about everything, to the point that the name of this fictional island, Tsukikage Island, literally Moonshadow Island. Uh, So they're really beating you over the head with the idea of the Moonlight Sonata. (laughs) Now, the person that called them here is dead, so they can't meet him, but they decide to look around a little bit and see what's going on. Um, And so there's a mayoral election going on, everybody's at the community center, Mm-hmm. And a character they meet on the street ends up being very important and being here the whole time. <laughs> she's a, a doctor on the island and just happens to be like talking to a child, I guess, just out in front of the office. And they just happen to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And she points them in the direction, tells them a little bit about the mayoral candidates, tells them that, you know, she moved here for the scenery. Of course, Kogoro calls her a nurse. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, actually, I'm a doctor. Yeah, idiot. that was something that was one thing i felt an adjustment in the script when we watched the thousandth episode like they really like insulted him harder for that but it's also like it's like 20 years later where it's even stupider for you to be that sexist (laughs) people still are yep medical person who's a woman well surely you're a nurse missus (laughs) <laughs> anyway, the everyone has gathered at the community center because there is a three-year memorial for the previous mayor who mm-hmm. has died. And we learn a lot more about that later on. Mm-hmm. This is what I refer to as the suspect slash victim parade. And I will say, as each character is introduced, a nameplate comes up in Japanese with like their name, profession, and age. And in some of the other stuff we've seen, they will subtitle that stuff in English. And I thought it was very unhelpful that on Crunchyroll, <laughs> Crunchyroll, they did not subtitle that. And so you just had to slowly get it over time. But the pace at which these suspects are introduced is very mm. fast. It boils down to basically uh, the three shitty mayor people and the shitty people they know. Like, you could say that yeah. and you'd get a gist of who you met. <laughs> There's the current mayor, Kuro Iwa, and his daughter, mm-hmm. Reiko. His secretary, Hirata. And Reiko's fiance, Shuichi. So those are all associated with the current mayor. The current mayor is bald. That's important. 
it's, I mean, not important to the plot. It's visually important. It's visually important to recognizing him. Meanwhile, there's like a lot of hubbub happening outside because people are protesting or angry or, or something. And I love that this other mayoral candidate walks into the room and is like, I'm preferred to win the election. And this is Kawashima, the wealthiest man in town. They ever say what the uh, corruption was? I don't think that's so. All the people were angry about. I, I guess we were just led to believe like he's a mayor who's waning in his popularity. But no, they don't tell us why. I think from a motive standpoint, they maybe just wanted us to feel like if this guy's murdered, two people are stand to gain. Like it, it, well, it's not that important. Right. Like basically, he's definitely going to lose. I think is basically very soon. Uh, Kawashima, the, the wealthiest man in town, he's going to be the mm-hmm. first one to die, and so it makes it seem like right maybe. Kuroiwa killed him because he's just such an unpopular mayor mm. right now. But yeah, th- those little details. <laughs> not, not enough. To, not enough time to check mm-hmm. in on everything. Um, they find the room in the community center that has this piano. Uh, the room has a door that opens out onto the ocean, which is pretty nice to be so close yeah. to the ocean. It overall looks pretty dirty and like kind of dusty. And as soon as someone goes to touch it, the secretary Hirata bumps into the room and tells them about the terrible curse. Yeah, he loses his mind. Anyone talks about this piano, looks at this piano, thinks about this piano. (laughs) And this bit was a bit Scooby-Doo for me, which is usually a forbidden topic on our (laughs) podcast. But the idea of like, this is the cursed piano. Anyone who plays it will die. The last mayor died when the piano was heard. Because on the night of the full moon, this moon, someone was playing the Moonlight Sonata. And then Hirata came in and found Kameyama, the previous mayor, dead on the piano three years ago. So now everyone knows the piano is cursed. And don't you ever touch that piano. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Noah. Uh, Nick Elmer just ran into the room and gave me a note. It says, Sonoko is the Velma. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like she's more of a Daphne. (laughs) Thank you for that, Michael. Even when we don't have certain podcast guests on here, you are insistent on making their jokes for them. (laughs) Right. Everyone knows that the piano is cursed. Have you ever encountered any cursed instruments or instruments with stor- like weird stories? Um, no. <laughs> I've encountered uh, weird pianos, but not cursed pianos. What makes a piano a weird piano? There was one, uh, one that had six pedals. Hmm. Hmm. Like, normally they have two or three. Right. S- sustain... Uh, I forget the names of them, but you yeah. have the sustain, you have the 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 soft pedal usually, right? And then there's one that kind of lets you sustain certain notes while not sustaining mm-hmm. others, um, which basically no one uses. I can only assume the uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth are like one that serves you a cup of water, <laughs> one that I don't know. Um, one that like gives you a cigarette because it's probably old fashioned, and one that is a trap and it'll eject you from the piano because you're not its proper owner. <laughs> do you do you know what kind of stuff they did? I mean, there's it's not organ pedals, which are notes. Yeah, so it's like a weird, uh, this weird like upright piano that was marketed back in the day as being like a fully like orchestral piano in the sense that it had like different sounds. So they had like a pedal, you pressed it, and it would put, I don't know tax on the strings or, or you know play something on it, it would sound different like sound buzzy or or there's one that like muted it or i i don't remember what they all were now i'm remembering um there's a theater with an organ that was supposedly cursed maybe or someone died or 
So you're, you're close to Phoenixville over there, but um, the Colonial Theater? I don't know if that was the thing I'm remembering, <laughs> but they used to have an organ. That sounds familiar. I believe that there's like some superstition surrounding theaters, so I, be- I believe that. The other thing I'm thinking is like people that have listened very closely to the podcast know that Michael got our current mattress from someone who died. And like a piano is something you might keep until you die. And then you might end up with a piano that like came from, if you're buying a used piano, maybe someone had it and died and that's why you're able to buy the piano. So I feel like there's probably lots of pianos with stories associated with <laughs> yeah, Even them. if they're not known to the owner. <laughs> when I was in college, I went to a practice room. They had music students there and apparently weren't very discerning and let me in as well. Nice. But, um, <laughs> but I had taken a laptop with me to record something I was working on so I could remember it. And when I played it back... There was a weird sound. I was kind of spooked by it at the time. I showed it to somebody, and they're like, "No, that's just you being sloppy with the sustain pedal. <laughs> like, you just let it let go, and it, like flopped up and made a loud sound." <laughs> Not a ghost after all. No, <laughs> debunked right away. <laughs> so we will find out why Hirata is so intense about the curse of this piano, but. Conan very impressively plays the piano and he doesn't point it out until later, but it is notable that and presumably the reason he does it is to find out that the piano is perfectly in tune, which is weird for a piano that looks so uh, dusty and old and dirty. We also, this was a plot point in the movie. I don't know if it ended up ever mattering, but basically we learn about Conan is that he has perfect pitch, but sings awful and can't do any music, just has perfect pitch, but no way to use it. (laughs) Yeah. He has perfect pitch, but sings off key, yeah. which is weird. Is that a thing that happens? Does in this anime. <laughs> <laughs> you can recognize pitch perfectly. I don't know if you can actually say you have perfect pitch, oh, if you can only recognize pitch perfectly, but that's the case here. Right. So we learn also that the doctor, uh, Narumi, was the one who did the autopsy on the mayor who died, and it was like right after she got on the island. It was her first autopsy. Yep. And we meet the last candidate for mayor a man named shimizu and what i love about him is like the one mayor is the current mayor who's beset by scandal the other mayor is like a really rich guy and this guy like all we hear about him is that he's loved by fishermen just over and over again mm-hmm. fishermen love him i'd vote for him over the <laughs> other two are you a fisherman <laughs> oh no. over the other two yeah yeah <laughs> Given no other information, I'd vote for the fisherman. Well, they, uh, people in this town might not have much of a choice, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> the last person we meet is a guy named Ken Nishimoto, who we see in the audience at the memorial, and he leaves to go. No, he doesn't. He's not the one that leaves to go to get the bathroom, but he's like got very disheveled hair, generally nervous kind of guy. Uh-huh. Wealthy guy leaves to go use the bathroom. And this is interesting, Michael, because didn't someone leave to go use the bathroom in that violin episode of detective academy q and get killed yes or no he was maybe suspected because he went to the bathroom he was suspected that's right yes he well he he said he went to go to the bathroom but he actually left the room screaming at the recognition of the music being played so that's a little different yeah that's a little (laughs) different there's some similarities actually between um between the episode the the story of detective academy q that we covered in episode 23 of our podcast as we'll see in a minute, there's like recorded pieces of music that are being played. And that was also kind of a trick that was being used in in this other episode. 
Oof, now I'm just thinking about that ugly violin. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the ugly violin that didn't end up mattering. Only in the part of the manga that didn't get animated. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, these are our old gripes. Okay, so the Moonlight Sonata starts being played. It's the first movement, the recognizable part. Everybody reacts because they've heard about the curse and the, this was what was playing when the mayor died. But Conan is the only one who runs into the room to actually see what's going on. It's very easy for him to get in there first. And he finds the wealthy mayoral candidate Kawashima dead laying over the piano. There's like a trail of water leading towards the door that goes outside. Ron goes to get the police and they have the doctor inspect the body. They find that there was actually just a tape recorder inside the piano playing the song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, how do we learn that the trail of water is made from seawater? Oh, Conan puts it in his mouth. <laughs> Does he go all the way down and, and lick no, it? No, he like he... he gets it on his fingers and goes nim nim nim. Mm, seawater. He doesn't lick the floor. What if he was like? What if it was like? Mm, oh no, it's urine. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disgusting, even before pandemic times. <laughs> yeah, and also they went along. They like went into a great deal of effort to be like, no one ever cleans this room. And he's like, mm, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's the curse of the piano. Not the curse of the pee, fortunately. So what we? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> We're gonna need a better autopsy to investigate this body, but it seems like it was probably a drowning, uh, and he uh, he died about thirty minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Conan notices the, the guy's suit jacket is on the beach and he has sand on the back, so pretty clear he was drowned in the ocean and dragged in. And they show us a diagram of how this happened. It doesn't matter too much. Yeah, the main point of it is that uh, there are two ways out of this building. Uh, one was locked from the inside. That's the one that goes out to the beach. So someone definitely, like, if they were outside, they came back in and locked it so they didn't leave that way. Our dear detective, Mori Kogoro, was sitting smoking on the front step, so no one left that way, which means the murderer is still here. And that thought that the murderer is still among us is where we break for the first of three commercials because this is an hour-long special all right let's come back from commercial yeah we don't actually have to break for the commercials you've been doing that lately (laughs) right so the immediately everyone realizes that if a a candidate for mayor dies it benefits all the other candidates for mayors so maybe one of them is involved the next thing that happens is they discover the sheet music hidden in the piano which is the beginning of Moonlight Sonata, except when Ron tries to play it, like at a certain point, it diverges and sounds bad. And it takes them a little while to figure out what's going on with it. Everybody is kind of like chilling, but Conan reads the letter again and he interprets it in a way that he thinks there's going to be more murders, which mm-hmm. causes all of them to go back to the community center and spend the night there, including <laughs> Dr. Narumi, who comes and brings them food, which is very nice of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is this business about the the very old policeman on the island, and he just over and over again, he's kind of bumbling. The first thing he does here is he he moves the body and covers it, and then he removed the sheet music and like folded it up and put it in his pocket. Just not keeping that crime scene sacred. He also tends to come in with revelations like way late. Yeah. The other thing is that in talking about the sheet music, they, they think it's the dead guy's dying message. Uh, so explaining the the um the name for our podcast because <laughs> it's it's something that comes up in a lot of these mysteries and they they use the english phrase dying message when they think someone has left a message as they're dying kind of wondering whether the like code that they used was actually consistent with the music that was played mm. you could check because they do show the sheet music on screen with enough close up enough 
and long enough you could get a screen grab and try to play it and see what happens yeah and anytime the two instances in which they like try to play the music that's the code it sounds bad so i have to like you can believe that they did it even if they didn't actually go to the effort <laughs> i'm just gonna we we sort of blipped over it but there it, it's just funny because it, this is the only episode it happens but we were speaking of the the bumbling uh yeah uh police officer and this he's like the third person when uh, Mori Kogoro is trying to be like, I'm that famous detective, or I'm that famous person. And they're all like, oh, the famous astronaut. So it's not just an offhanded, like, silly joke. Apparently, uh, Mori Mamaru uh, is the first Japanese person in space. Just a fun little fact. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like an inside joke. I was trying to figure out, like, what that was about. It wasn't just a silly, like, we're getting you wrong. Like, there's actually a famous astronaut with his same family name. Well, yeah, it would it would be like at the beginning of of Lance Armstrong's career. We all know where that went. If he did an interview on TV, and they were like, "Oh, you're the astronaut," and he's like, "No, no, no, I'm Armstrong, the cyclist." <laughs> Just someone else who has the same name that's mm-hmm. maybe is more famous than you. I don't know who's more famous now: Neil Armstrong or Lance Armstrong? Neil Armstrong. Neil. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. First man on moon versus uh, live strong slash doping. Mm. We all had those bracelets. That's true. None of us wore um, one giant leap for mankind bracelets in mi- in middle school. <laughs> we sure didn't. Oh, middle school. Oh, Noah, you young boy. <laughs> the other thing we learn is that going back to the death of the previous mayor, Narumi was the one who is. is did, saw the body and she said that his face looked like he had seen something horrifying. There's also someone peeking in at them through the window, but we don't know who it is mm-hmm. until much later. Mm-hmm. Creepy window man. Uh, just a little bit more until we get to the next commercial break. Cause we're just kind of plodding along, getting some of the background and the mystery until we get to the next murder or whatnot. Conveniently, this Island is technically part of Tokyo. So the detective who comes in is a, is a recurring character all throughout this series. Cause he, gets assigned to all the murders around Tokyo, of which they probably end up at half of them because everywhere they go, there's a murder. Um, so Megare, recognizable with his hat, and he also has a mustache, I should say, is the one who comes in to do the murder, to do the murder investigation. The next day, they're interviewing, interrogating all the 38 people that were at the town hall during the murder. Narumi is going to go last because she stayed up all night with them. Kokoro went to sleep, so he's just in on the interrogations. Conveniently, none of the people that we have met have yet been interviewed until we pick it back up. They're all going to go last and they're all going to go in a row. (laughs) Nothing too significant happens in their interviews, actually. Like they don't say anything interesting or see anything interesting. There is specifically a guy who says nothing during his interview and then hangs around afterwards. Yeah, that's Nishimoto, the, the crazy hair guy. And Conan thinks it's suspicious and follows him to the bathroom. Shuichi is leaving the bathroom and one other guy is inside the bathroom, but Nishimoto isn't. So he runs up the stairs to find him. Moonlight Sonata, the second movement, which is not as recognizable as the first movement, but it's still <laughs> a good piece of music, starts playing over the speakers. And Nishimoto has opened the door to the broadcast room. So someone is like broadcasting this music over the intercom. And we see that the current mayor, Kurioa, is inside with a knife in his back. I don't know how we got through this far without mentioning that all the music is on cassette tapes mm. which is not only important to the the murder but is significant because <laughs> that's not <laughs> what we do anymore yep the weird thing about the remake they did is 
they just don't clarify whether or not it's taking place in a more modern time. So there's still cassette tapes and no explanation of, of why that would be. Yeah. But when this first aired, and certainly when it was first written, cassette tapes would have been a thing. I have to imagine that cassette tapes are definitely just not used in music anymore, right? Because they were never great. No, they're pretty <laughs> bad. Some people still sell them. I don't know why. And I never quite understood that. Like, vinyl, sure, but... Oh, what, like bands with their merch table? Yeah, kind of like, a, you know, if they want to have a physical product, but no one really buys CDs anymore. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they think it's like kind of uh, nostalgic, Retro. maybe. Mm-hmm. Retro. There was that transition point where you might have had a tape player in your car. And so like, even though you wouldn't listen to tapes, if you had an old car, you might keep them to listen to in the car. But we're way past that. The, or that you'd have that thing where it's like the thing that goes in your cassette tape player, but it's actually just a wire that goes to your CD player. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now good luck getting a car with a CD player in it. Right. Forget it. <laughs> it would be very tough to murder someone using these methods in a modern car is what I'm saying because there's no tape player do any of us still have cassette tapes? I still have some but I don't have any way to play them <laughs> <laughs> do they degrade? they must degrade I know cassette tapes do or VHS yeah oh yeah that's you're talking about cassette tapes VHS tapes do <laughs> I found memories of like making mixtapes off the radio it's a huge pain but mm-hmm. <laughs> oh is that how mixtapes work? I thought, well, you could also have bought albums. So you, you could, like, play off of an album and record to the tape as well if you had, like, a dual cassette tape or you're recording it from another medium. But I often just sat around waiting for the song to play on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds it sounds kind of insane. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, like, t- tons of people did that. That's not insane at all. That's very common, I think. Depending on the song, like, it's pretty reliable that they're going to play it if you just wait mm-hmm. not too long and you're on the right station. Right, yeah. Well, we could talk about cassette tapes all day. <laughs> could we? <laughs> <laughs> we sure could, but we we just discovered another murder. Um, <gasps> the last thing that happens before the second commercial break is that they, uh, they realize the police were guarding the exit, so the killer has to be inside the building. We go to the commercial. We come back to the commercial. The autopsy team has gone back to the island with the first body. And so Dr. Narumi examines the body, discovers that it has died just a few minutes ago. But the tape had only five minutes and 30 seconds of blank tape at the beginning. So that suggests that someone was there roughly six minutes ago to kill the guy. There's music, more music notes and dried blood under the body. Mm-hmm. Which... Uh... Mori Koguro promptly punches Conan onto and they all freak out. But fortunately, it's super dry and didn't smudge. The other thing I do like this detail, which is that it oftentimes we have been like with these dying messages that people leave as clues before they die. It's like, do you really have that much time? And and this time they're like, no, he wouldn't have had enough time to do this. Or if he (laughs) did, he would have gone and gotten help. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, to give you an idea, Jesse, in episode six, there was a murder where someone had a jigsaw puzzle. And as they were dying, they removed some of the pieces in the jigsaw puzzle in such a way so as the remaining ones created a negative image of their killer's face. And then they died. It's very creative. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad they put the effort in. <laughs> not glad they're murdering people, but... <laughs> Why did they not just take the time to, like, call someone for help? Who knows? I'm always curious, uh, like, an almost a plot point of this particular scene is... Uh, Kogoro punching Conan onto the <laughs> onto the sheet music or the you know the little bar of music written in blood. 
Uh, but I, I never share like to someone outside the show. Like, does this come off as like abusive or like cartoony <laughs> violence? Because he hits him a lot, and he is like a six-year-old body. <laughs> I would say so. Like, didn't he? Uh, I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong. I thought he like punched him down into it, and it was like, "Why did you go on it?" Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get off. What are you doing? <laughs> like, gee, seems terrible. Yep. So now we're starting to narrow down the suspects. Um, This had to be the people inside the building because we know no people have left or entered. But they're going to rule out Narumi and Reiko because they were downstairs like in the interrogations or with other people six minutes ago or more than six minutes ago and couldn't have done it. So the other four people are Nishimoto, Hirata, Shuichi, and Shimizu, a.k.a. crazy hair guy, the secretary, the fiance, and fisherman mayor. Mm Mm-hmm. There's questions about, like, why did, was he there to discover the body? Apparently, he was invited to come into the room. Everybody's accusing each other. And then Conan has written all the music notes into his notebook, which is pretty smart of him, and solves the code. After Ron explains to him how the black keys on a uh, keyboard work, which he supposedly didn't know, how they correspond to sharps and flats. Hmm. But he deciphers that the code says, better watch out, you're next. As far as the code goes, I think it's pretty simple, right? It's like... You just start at the left-hand key and go, that's A, and then working your way to the right, it's B, C, D, E, just like that, right? right? But you have to go up onto the black keys when you pass them. Yeah. What's interesting here is they've it, it corresponds to English letters, which makes sense because as we were talking about Japanese, like there are, I guess you could have it correspond to like hiragana, but there's not as much a set order. So it's the English alphabet, but then you pronounce it out loud as if it's Japanese words. Wakataru na tugiha omae no banda. So I feel like you you were half prepared to be able to solve this code, Jesse, because like if it had translated to maybe an English phrase, <laughs> then maybe did you did you have any thoughts of like what a code you might leave with music notes? Did this explanation surprise you in any way or or even jive with you? Like did it make sense? Was it weird? I mean, I, I guess it seemed weird that they could get so many notes that sounded good and also create a code with it. I think it uniformly sounded bad when they played it, right? Like, none of the codes sounded good. It was, like, almost there, it seemed. Hmm. Like, things were off about it. Well, there are some letters that are more common sounds in Japanese, I guess, so some of them end up getting repeated. Probably just coincidence, really. Well, yeah, because just about every other sound is going to be a vowel, so there's certainly some repetition. Yeah. Have you ever tried writing a melody or music based on like a mathematic or linguistic <laughs> source? Um, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I'm not sure they typically sound good as a result. <laughs> you have like certain music where people leave things to chance or, or do it as a code or cipher or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not convinced it would be nice to listen to <laughs> <laughs> plus there's also so many things like within the music that isn't just like the the note that maps to the keyboard like the i'm not going to say any of the terms because i'm going to be wrong but like the cadence or the rests etc cetera, etc cetera, that mm-hmm. don't factor into the code that you would have to basically add to make it sound good right yeah the t- the british panel show qi had a, their theme song that they played for years and years and years and then it turned out that there was a message hidden in Morse code, maybe just in the rhythm of the melody. And, and they revealed it like, like I don't know, like eight years in that someone had hidden a code in there. I think it's easier probably with like the rhythm than it is with 
like the kind of melody codes we're discussing to make it sound like intentional music and not just a code. Yeah, I don't don't know if like you do something like that, you probably leave a lot of creativity to, to add to it as well. So if you have something that's like choosing notes, maybe you take some discretion and choose the rhythms that make it work or I, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But this person is like not trying to write music. They're just writing codes mm-hmm. using music notes. So then he interprets the other code and the other code says extinguished is the anger of the hellfire, um, which freaks out Nishimoto. But eventually everyone's going to assume that because they, they use the word extinguished, that it's all done. Yeah. Everyone's like, cool, go home, everyone. It's fine. <laughs> it's a very uh, metal phrase, it seems. <laughs> um, or um, Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> mm. So Conan goes with the policemen. They have remembered that there is more music that was found in the guy's house or that he wrote before he died, and they have kept it in the safe. So he's going to go get the key to the safe. And Conan just grills him for information, asks him about all the suspects, gets some useful information. First of all, we learn that the four witnesses to the fire that killed the pianist 12 years ago are the three people who are dead. So the current mayor, the rich mayoral candidate, and the previous mayor who died three years ago, plus Nishimoto, who has been freaking out. They were all classmates together. We learned that Reiko's fiance just showed up a couple years ago out of the blue and, and started being engaged with him. We learned that the secretary used to sneak around the community center, all these little details. Oh yeah. And once again, not only is um, Shimizu popular with the fishermen, he also has a strong sense of justice. <laughs> Maybe that's supposed to tell us that he's not the killer because someone with a strong sense of justice wouldn't kill people, would he? Hmm. Hmm. Takes an hour for this policeman who's pretty old, I guess, to find the key. Mm-hmm. And then they got to schlep back to the community center because that's where the safe is. That makes sense. Keep the key at the police station. But pretty much everyone has left. This is our final murder mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. Is it a murder? Yes, it is a murder. <laughs> Just to suspend any doubt. <laughs> they're trying to go into the room with the safe, but they hear a sound from the piano room. And when they go in there, uh, the fiance is collapsed on the ground and someone else has escaped through the window. Then Ron opens the door to the safe room and finds Nishimoto, the last remaining witness to the pianist's burning death, is hanged in the safe room. There's a tape recorder that just finished playing the third move- movement. They didn't hear it, but maybe it just finished. And there's a note at his feet, which is a suicide note written in the code. It says it's a will and it explains that he regretted killing the others. So he took his own life. He was trying to cover up some terrible secret. Um, and Kogoro thinks that makes perfect sense and immediately buys into this suicide theory. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like, I did it. I'm sorry. I'm hanging myself now. But it's like, okay. But there's a big problem here, which is that he's (laughs) hanging from the ceiling and there's nothing nearby, like no way for him to get up there. You know, it's that thing where you jump up into your own noose. (laughs) It's also not a good idea to write a will slash suicide note in the code that people might not be able to understand. (laughs) Although I have been tempted. Has anybody ever read the Westing game? Nope. No. It's a children's book. It's basically like an old man dies or maybe fakes his death, it turns out. And there's a will that is like a puzzle-solving scavenger hunt extravaganza. Mm. So to people that know me and are close to me, I have started a scavenger hunt that will become part of my will. I've been writing the puzzles. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) You know, just one last way to screw with people before before your influence is gone. (laughs) 
just a couple more things. And then after this next commercial break, we're going to get just the full revelation, which is honestly going to take us like another 90 minutes to go through. Mm-hmm. We'll find a way to do it faster than that. <laughs> the Shuichi was found with a tuning hammer. Maybe he was the one tuning the piano. Mm-hmm. And Conan looks underneath the piano and finds a secret panel. Mm-hmm. How about the fact that when he opens the secret panel, not only does white powder fall on the floor, but does he taste it again? He smells it. I I, I, I had to check. It's like, did he just fucking eat cocaine? <laughs> no, he smelled it. Okay. Although he knows what cocaine smells like. That's... And um, that's an interesting thing about this piano, that it has a panel that someone was hiding drugs in. Also, actually, come to think of it, I'm pretty sure if like a six-year-old like smelled even a tiny bit of cocaine, they'd probably have a reaction, right? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> we're not drugologists. <laughs> and then there's some photos that were taken of the crime scenes. Conan notices a picture of the second body. There was a light that was switched on on the broadcast panel that was switched off in a later photo. Conan also goes up to the secretary, who suspiciously now has an injured hand, and he freaks the guy out by telling him about white powder the guy drops his wallet which contains money from all over the world it's that old that old uh cocaine on the sleeves fake out classic and then the policeman has this very significant note which he decided not to reveal until this point it was written by the deceased it says to my son seiji turns out he had a son who was on the mainland at the time the rest of his family was killed and the fact that he is named seiji is significant but not to anybody who doesn't know Japanese. <laughs> it's not going to help you solve this mystery if you're, if you're not very familiar with Japanese, I would say. Mm-hmm. And we're ready to reveal the murder. Coden goes up into the broadcast room. There's a commercial break over some of this, but this is a gadget that we have seen before. He has two gadgets that he uses to help him solve mysteries as a child. So first he has his stun gun wristwatch, which he uses to knock out Kogoro. And then he has his voice changing bow tie, which is how he's able to sound exactly like him. Yeah, how did this come off with no pre-information? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely seemed a little weird. So that's something he does in a lot of episodes. Absolutely constantly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it, this is actually an exception in that this actually works a little bit better because they're in a separate room going over a, a broadcast system. Right. Normally... Uh, Kogoro is just in the room with everyone else and he knocks him out and he's like and Conan just talks like with the Kogoro voice so he's just kind of sitting there like you're doing something visual yep (laughs) he just has his head slumped and his eyes closed but his voice seems to be coming from him anyway so so why did he have to take him out I I didn't understand that so Conan uh, is hiding his identity as the high school detective Shinichi Kudo because uh, he was poisoned by a criminal organization, and he's afraid if he reveals his identity, uh, they'll come th- for those him. Those people will family, come for him. Yeah. So uh. he pretends to be a young boy who is an idiot, but also sometimes says very insightful things uh, and solves mysteries through Kogoro. Okay. And I guess he just has to knock him out because so that he doesn't interfere. Because if he tried to use his voice, he would yeah he would be confused. Why is my voice solving this mystery? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He always just knocks him out. If he's not available, he'll knock out somebody else. You can imagine a thousand episodes. They like start to do variations and like it's what Mm. you're expecting. So they play with it. But yeah, but usually that's the case. I think my favorite is uh, they did a crossover with Lupin the third, which is like a goofy uh, thief character in a lot. Uh Had a lot of adaptions. Lupin is disguised as Kogoro and Conan goes to knock him out to solve the mystery. And he like dodges the dart 
but knows Conan's spiel. So he's like walking around and like trying to like say the things that Conan's saying. And it's very goofy. Yeah, acting along. That's a pretty <laughs> elaborate one. But it is interesting. We're already here at episode 11 and they basically just pull off this trick without any explanation. Like it's already just totally normal for him to do all this. Because <laughs> at that point I was like, did Conan do it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited because I want to know what you think about the solution. And, and and it's that time where we get to reveal all the secrets, which is also exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it sure does take him 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, we can speed through some of the Spell stuff, the less important stuff, right? Yeah. Basically, the first thing they figure out is who was the person that knocked out Shuichi. And this is where we learn that Hirata was the one doing the drug deals. He mm-hmm. stumbled on him. He knocked. Classic Scooby-Doo style. The piano is cursed. Because I keep drugs in there. Right. That's why he was trying to keep people away. Shuichi is also not the murderer just because of the the way that whole timing thing worked out and the way when he was knocked out, it it eliminates him. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't even matter, really, because there's someone who has an alibi because of the second murder that is fake. So one of the the things about cassette tapes is that they have two sides. (laughs) I don't know. We should probably explain this because we could have... Gen Zers listening to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, they don't know how cassette tapes work. Yeah. So, uh, cassette tape is like, you can take it out of the device and put it back in. And if you flip the side, it'll play different music because it's effectively using the other side of the tape. If I'm not completely wrong, that's how it works. Yeah. But there are some more expensive or modern, after this point, devices that you don't need to physically flip it. Playback will, will just reverse. Right. So this is a machine where you can set it so that when it gets to the end of the tape, it automatically doesn't literally flip the tape over, but it goes to the other side and starts playing the other side. Mm -hmm. So that means rather than the six minutes they thought, there were actually 30 additional minutes of blank tape. So the people that they had ruled out could have done the murder 30 minutes before they thought it happened, which also makes sense because that blood was dried on the floor that he happened to fall onto. But wait, Noah, didn't a professional doctor do an on-scene autopsy and say he only died within the last five minutes? And didn't that person also have the opportunity to switch off the autoplay light? And didn't that person also autopsy the dead mayor two years ago as her first thing she did on the island? And isn't that person also secretly the son of of the dead pianist? (laughs) Named Seiji? Yes. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. The, the first thing we have to say is, why was the pianist killed 12 years ago? It wasn't a suicide. He didn't light his house on fire. The four people that claimed to be witnesses actually killed him because they were all selling drugs together and he wanted out. He would go overseas to do concerts and they would use that as an opportunity to sell drugs. I mean, how many musical acts today are really just moving drugs about in the world? <laughs> Probably most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily as dealers, but yeah, in some way or another. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're currently sitting on the day after the Eurovision Song Contest, where there's like controversy of not only like did the do the winners do drugs, but did they do it actively on TV just as they won? <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. I thought it was weird that there was a they put the box in the piano, and that's where they hit the drugs. Um, <laughs> I guess the other other detail that's kind of weird is um, so they found the piano tuning tool. Mm-hmm. There's the one guy that was just going back and tuning the piano. Um, if he was doing that, I think he would have noticed the odd box in the piano. <laughs> Maybe not, but... Police also came into the room after someone had died on the piano and didn't discover the secret panel. Mm-hmm. And you would think having like a hollow panel in a piano that is sometimes filled and sometimes empty might even change the sound? Perhaps. I, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> 
I don't know. I've never had a piano with a hidden drug drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone? Probably. <laughs> Just six pedals, I guess. <laughs> the sixth pedal was the drug pedal. Right. We figured it out. So here's the deal with the whole Narumi is actually his son. Mm-hmm. So he had a son who was on the mainland and got adopted by a family. So that's why... After his death, yeah. Right. Narumi has a different family name. Mm-hmm. But Seiji and Narumi both have can have the same kanji? Yes. Same kanji, different pronunciation. And because they have lived off the island and only worked on the island, she, they haven't had to register anywhere. So they don't have like the pronunciation of their name written anywhere. It's not written on their medical license. So they didn't see it there. So they can just make up a pronunciation. People wouldn't question it. And supposedly the reason is just to come to this island and investigate her father's death without being suspicious or or recognized as the son. Now, here's the thing, right? Like, we didn't even learn about the existence of this son until five minutes ago. (laughs) So what if we had just learned the existence of a second daughter and then realized it was her? Like, it would have worked exactly the same way. There's just no reason here for this extra layer of... Well, what they say is... It, ha- uh, it had to be a man that did the murders because they, they required, like, physical strength. Which, yeah, that's additionally incredibly sexist, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 that's, so that's not great. Mm-hmm. It's tough because I love these episodes, like, classically as a story, but, like, this part's just shitty. Like, it, it doesn't have to be this way. They could be more respectful about it or they could just not do it. So at a certain point in the explanation of the of Narumi's guilt, they all realize that she has disappeared, and Conan follows her back to the community center piano room, which is severely on fire, and also <laughs> she is inside playing Moonlight Sonata. Severely on fire, no, and not like kinda on fire. Yeah, this is a scene, Michael, that you created with a with a partner for your improv group for like an improv exercise. Yeah, for not, an improv a- exercise, we had to take something that we thought was like acted kind of like poorly or wanted to like redo. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I love this episode, but the dub like left me kind of shmeh. Uh, me and Tanya, uh, from our Lupin the Third episode of Dying Message, acted out this scene, and I was Conan, and she was Dr. Narumi. And I, the only reason I mentioned that was not to embarrass you, because I can do that in other ways. No, I think it's fun. I, I edited it. We did it on Zoom because it was during the pandemic, and I edited it and did all kinds of fun stuff. I really like that thing. But it's, it's just like this extremely dramatic setup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're having this emotional conversation about Narumi's motivation and Conan is trying to convince her to leave and not be burned in this building. Mm-hmm. And boy, if she does not throw him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> also, shame on that idiot, co- the, that uh, police officer that was like, never mentioned this sheet music was saved from his house because it literally has a note to her in it that's like, don't be bit like he probably wrote it as he was like burning to death like don't be bitter live a happy life live on and she's he's conan's like he wanted you to live and she's like well shit i wish i knew that before i murdered a bunch of people (laughs) so she stays in there and she plays a little note on the piano which later we learn out was spelling in the code thank you little detective Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what she's thanking him for i guess just for making known the injustice that befell her father Right. well because she's the one you, you have to assume, though no one ever explicitly says it, except like thinking about it after the fact, that she's the one who reached out to Mori. She note, wanted yeah. to be caught. She maybe even wanted to be stopped before she committed murders. Conan brought her, 
the story to light, at least. And just in case anyone cares, the fiancé was okay. Yeah. <laughs> we see him in the hospital. He's fine, everyone. That's it. That, that, that was the episode. Uh, we get a next week on about the Ayumi kidnapping case, which has some new gadgets. That's really exciting. So we'll, we'll be covering that next week. Mm-hmm. The next Conan's Hint is School Festival. So um, what was it like watching through this, Jesse? And um, were you, did you feel like you picked up on the clues? I don't know. How, how'd it go for you? I enjoyed it. There, there's a lot of misdirection going on, kind of implying that someone looks pretty guilty when they aren't, or maybe they're partially guilty. Or Yeah, it was, it was a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, there's so much misdirection, like when... Uh, Conan is explaining it over the PA, uh, he, and he's like, and this and this, this, but they weren't the murder, and this and this and this, but they weren't the murder, to the point that Megray like, literally gets exasperated, like, how many fake murderers are there? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like the misdirection of this, the secretary, because it's like, oh, yeah, that, that guy definitely did it. Um, you know, he has the drugs on him, and he's, like, guilty, but not of the murders. <laughs> Yeah, there's often that in Detective Conan, uh, red herrings in the form of people who are committing crimes, but not the one we're trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we filled in all the blanks for you as you were coming through. But did you find it relatively easy to follow? I guess you, you maybe you were confused about like who these people were, but the mystery itself is probably pretty self-contained. So the the thing that was difficult for me, I'm I'm pretty bad at remembering names to start. So there's a lot of characters. A lot of things going on. I felt like I, I really had to take notes to remember who, who they're referring to. It's like, all right, so who are the people that were in on the drugs? You know, I'd write the write the names down and look them up. Yep. Yeah, they had a bunch of characters, and I was confusing the fisherman mayor with Hirata because I think they both had similar hair, but only one of them wears glasses. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they have like more distinct array of characters and you're like oh it's that guy it's that person it's that lady but this one is just like it's these dudes in suits yeah they could have done a little bit or better job with differentiating their outfits or something so that even if you don't know their names like you recognize which person is which yeah so i was like kind of referring them to them in my own head it's like nicknames i made for them like the fish mayor or the <laughs> rich guy any good, any good nicknames <laughs> I, I like the fish mayor mm, fish mayor yeah yeah, maybe maybe no. You said this was diffused from a, like a lot a longer series of manga chapters, so maybe maybe they all had more going on that just had to lay on the editing room floor for this one. It's a plus and a minus because I think it's pretty fast paced. Mm-hmm. Like the murder happens relatively early on, and just uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout. But it it makes it a little tough. And yeah, it is a little harder to follow this stuff, A, in a subtitled format, and B, with, with names from a culture that's not your own, which are harder harder to distinguish between for us. Mm-hmm. It was very enjoy- enjoyable regardless. I mean, I mean part, of, part of why I was taking the notes was because being on the show, but I think I still would have enjoyed it even if I wasn't capturing all the details. Did you pick up on anything before like the, a secret was revealed? Maybe a, a piece of something? It, it's hard to say because kind of like suspicious of a lot, of a lot of people, a lot of characters in the show all the time. So I, I couldn't really pick one of them and be like, oh yeah, I was definitely suspicious of them. But really, I was suspicious of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Trust no one. 
Yeah, I, I think I got a vibe from the secretary a little bit that something was going on mm-hmm. there. Just how he's reacting um, every time anybody touched the piano. Yeah, I think my initial guess was the rich mayoral candidate. Mm-hmm. I think in part because they paid so much money to get this investigated. It's like, well, that's... <laughs> yeah, he could have sent the note. Mm-hmm. When it was all revealed, it felt like all the clues had been out there and it was like fair. You weren't... What did you think? It felt like it pulled me in a lot of directions. Uh like, it wasn't obvious until they laid out all the clues, I guess. Um, yeah. And also, like, some of the things are so, like, last-minute revelation, like the stuff with the sun. Right. That is another reason that irks me. It's like... It's like... It seemed like it was an episode where you're not supposed to guess, maybe? Or you're not supposed to know. They they want to they wanna pull the rug out from under you. But it does feel like when he goes through his explanation, it's like, oh, yeah, we did notice the blood was dry. Oh, yeah. She did find a way to, like, be the one to do the autopsy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, kind of makes me wonder how they wrote the mystery. Like, they writing it backwards to get those details in there. That's a question for Mr. Gosho Aoyama. I'm sure he's done interviews about his process. Uh, maybe maybe I'll look into it for next time. It's it's such an interesting thing because there's tons of chapters of the manga, but when they make the anime, there's a bunch of new mysteries that they have to write so that they have more and more episodes. And yeah, they have just done so many of them. I mean, they do this they did this for Murder She Wrote. They do this for all the murder shows and you just go, how does someone come up week after week? Well, sometimes they're kind of similar <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. If you have um speaking to our listeners, if you have come up with a murder mystery plot that you want to share with us, you can send it to us at dyingmessagepodcast.gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, opinions, and all of that. We're happy to share it on the podcast. Or if you have written a piece of music that is a code and it <laughs> somehow doesn't sound shitty, you can send that to us as well and we'll play it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to sound great, but you know we're not going to hurt people's ears in an auditory medium. Mm-hmm. And. Jesse, I want to I want to turn back to you for a second. We talked about your music a bit at the beginning, um, but where where should people go? One more time, where should, where should people go, and how can they find it? Uh, so the main place I put my music is on uh, Bandcamp.com, um, but you can find the music on all the typical uh, stores, streaming services that you'd expect. Um, so if you search my name on Spotify, you'll you'll find it. Apple, iTunes. Amazon, uh, all those names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always partial to Bandcamp. Mostly because I like it. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so people should check that out and check out your newest album that we talked about a bit earlier, Diversion. And thank you so much for recording with us and yeah. and watching this thing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's filled in a lot of gaps in our backstory. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, as folks who like, you know, also do our passion stuff on the side, like I feel like we totally have that in common. Mm-hmm. So next time on the podcast, we'll be covering Detective Conan episode 12, the Ayumi Chan kidnapping case. You can find that again in the US on Crunchyroll. Um, I think it's going to be episode 13 on Crunchyroll because of the numbering mm-hmm. is always going to be wrong now. Mm-hmm. If you are listening to this podcast, the best thing you can do to help spread the word and let people know that you enjoyed the podcast 
on Apple Podcasts, give us that star rating and write a comment so that people know what you think. If you're on a different podcasting service, you can subscribe. Um, A couple other ones have ratings as well. Keep in touch with us on social media so you know about our new episodes and see all the fun screenshots we've been posting recently. So that's Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and on Instagram. And send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Thank yes, everybody, for listening. Before we go, we have to learn about this mystery of the mystery of the persistent musician. This is an unsolved mystery, but it's like, it's pretty mysterious. So this happened soon after I moved to a new apartment. Um, I moved into a new neighborhood uh, in this uh, small carriage house apartment, which is like an apartment above a garage. It's this weird, uh, it's like almost like tiny Pizza Hut looking apartment. <laughs> Very <laughs> like strange. Like a sloped roof? <laughs> At a sloped roof. It wasn't as sloped as Pizza Hut. I don't know. It just kind of gave that sort of uh, feeling off to me. Um, so I always <laughs> called it the Pizza Hut apartment. So I was living by myself in the studio apartment. And it's kind of like situated behind the apartment building, kind of associated with that apartment building. And kind of out of the way. Like you can't see it from the road. It's kind of like a busy road, but you, you wouldn't know it's there unless you walked back there. And one Sunday, there's this uh, bearded guy that showed up at my door and knocked. I don't remember his name, so I'm just going to make up a name. It's Doug. <laughs> Good old Doug. And he's asking about a previous tenant that used to live here. Uh, his name was Mordecai Applebaum, which I love the name. It's like <laughs> my favorite name I've ever heard. <laughs> That's a real name. I, I don't know if that's bad to mention that. But so I guess the the first thing that's like really weird about that is if you want to find something about a previous tenant, usually you don't go to the new tenant. Like, have you ever known the previous tenants in your apartment? I certainly have. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then we would give them all their mail. <laughs> right. Yeah, I have that problem here too as well. So I, I told him I didn't know anything about him, and he went away disappointed. And I thought that was just going to be that. But he showed up another Sunday, like a week or so later, and was asking about him again. I was telling him, like, this really doesn't make sense asking me. Um, <laughs> he considered, like, talking to, you know, my landlord or some of the neighbors. And he was like, no, don't trust them. so it's like what's the motivation there why does he not trust them is there something bad he did i i don't know it's kind of like raising these red flags so he revealed some more details about his relationship with mordecai applebaum apparently had a falling out like their ex-friends and he wanted to reach him so he left again disappointed and in the next next couple weeks uh I had been talking to neighbors. Um, I, I didn't bring up that it was about Doug or anything. I, I didn't. In fact, I, I didn't reveal that at all. It was just kind of like brought up some details about Mordecai. And so they're like, they're happy to have a quiet neighbor, which I guess implies that he wasn't quiet. <laughs> so I also looked up his name online and trying to figure out who this person was. And there's not a lot of details out there but he apparently used to be in the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, it's interesting. I While you were talking, I decided to Google him immediately, and it actually auto-filled clarinet at the end. So <laughs> he's been Googled before. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so um, there's not a lot of details about about him, but there's uh, one like blog post about an anecdote of working with him in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's apparently like very particular. There's a story where he just walked away from the clarinet section, walked somewhere else, and started playing over there in the middle of the song. <laughs> um, and he was asked why he did that, and he's like, I'd sound better over here. <laughs> just very particular. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there's like a web page about somebody that studied under him, you know, mentioned that they worked at a college or something. Not much details about that. And of all places, uh, there's a picture of him on DeviantArt. Um, And that's really all the details I could find. And I also found some of his old mail. I I can't remember (laughs) the details, but it was like almost like hidden somewhere. Not really hidden, but like behind a table or something. And there's like some overdue bills. So that kind of like... Now they're really overdue. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we can't stop getting the former tenant in our apartment's mail, no matter how many times we give it back to the mailman. (laughs) Yeah. To his credit, I don't think I got any of his mail um, besides the mail that was just left in the apartment itself. And then I I had mentioned this story to one of my friends, and he was a band director at a school. He mentioned this to some of his friends, and apparently some of them knew some things about Mordecai Applebaum, saying he was kind of a kind of a weird guy, and they wouldn't be surprised if he hid something in the apartment or like in the walls. Yeah, <laughs> that someone might be motivated to come back to find. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So maybe Doug knew something about this. He wanted the, the treasure of Mordecai Applebaum. Or maybe not. I'd, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts of uh, confusing details there. Um, and I think at that point, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but it wrote like a Facebook post. So I was kind of worried about this this guy. He seems kind of suspicious. He was coming mm-hmm. around so often. And a bill collector for those bills, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, if I ever disappear... Maybe it's this guy that's coming around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he came back one more time, always on a Sunday for some reason. He was complaining a lot about schooling system. So he asked me if I ever went to like college. He's like, doesn't trust colleges. Doesn't trust the schooling system. Burned them in the past. Doesn't care for it. You know, apparently a lot of people he's burned his relationships with. Apparently my neighbors, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> They won't talk Sounds like them. he might have just been a lonely guy <laughs> might have for been. his friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm mis- mischaracterizing him. <laughs> but then he asked me if I had a car. Oh dear, okay. <laughs> when I said yes, I have a car, he asked me if I wanted to go whitewater rafting with him. Yeah, so is he like, trying to get me out in the Yakagani River and axe murder me or whatever <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you don't have to axe murder someone on a white rotter raft you just push them off of the raft that's true <laughs> <laughs> there's some pretty uh intense rapids out there the axe would slow you down in the rapids <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's trying to get me out of the house so he could look for the treasure of mordecai applebaum yeah so essentially <laughs> that's where the story ends um mm. 
he stopped coming after that. At a certain point, my bike got stolen. I don't know if that's related, but it's a detail. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were this close to having a home alone take place where you were going to need to set traps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That could have been the start of, of Home Alone 5, which we have seen. <laughs> where they come back to a, a house to, you know, find like the bootlegger's basement Wait, how many, hidden underneath. How many Home Alones have there been? Five. 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 And they're doing a TV series reboot or something or now? Or a reboot or something. Or a, a completely movie. missed that there was a fourth one. <laughs> they're not good. They're not good. There's a listing about Mordecai Applebaum in a biologic in this book. A Biographical Dictionary of 20th Century American Clarinetists. I, I missed that one. Is, is there Someone's any, uh... got some time to spend. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have very much detail. It looks like he first maybe started playing with the Pittsburgh Orchestra in the 50s. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure like what timeline it was. I knew it was older, so it was probably a while ago. Pretty interesting cast of characters. You're lucky you're not an unsolved mystery. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> eventually moved so maybe uh lost track of me (laughs) (laughs) wasn't a great apartment (laughs) yeah this loud neighbors thing is is a real problem sort of thing so you can just imagine maybe he was playing clarinet or maybe other noisy things and it wasn't connected to any other buildings there was at least that oh oh yeah um so it's like almost ideal for a musician that wants to play loudly well, I don't know. I, I might have, I might have like looked under every rug, made sure there were no trap doors. Loose panel, loose panel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there wasn't. It's it was like hardwood floors. I couldn't exactly just like tear them up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we saw a movie where someone did that. Are you sure it was a movie? It happened in Jane the Virgin. That's not what I'm thinking of. It was a horror movie, a weird old one. The roof leaked. I don't know if that's relevant. The roof leaked. Probably not relevant. <laughs> yeah, whitewater rafting is so specific. Was And he was trying to go rafting with you, but maybe he had some friends that were going to come and search while you were gone. Yeah, I, I, I guess his friends didn't have a car. <laughs> that's, just, that's just so oddly specific. You know, it's like of all the things that he could have asked you to go to, he could have asked you, like, first of all, to take him somewhere useful, like to a store or to the DMV or, you know, a place you go for paperwork. He could have asked you to go to, like, a more normal thing, like a restaurant or a movie or a library. <laughs> right. Whitewater rafting, it's not even, like, just getting you out hiking or whatever. He- I don't remember how he brought it up, but is. It seemed like very sudden and out of the blue, and I don't know if like <laughs> I have a face that looks like I go yeah. white water rafting. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's dying message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode forty-three, in which we encounter two musical mysteries. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Theme music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Moonlight Sonata Movements 1, 2, and 3 performed by Paul Pittman for Muse Open, an online library of public domain music. Thank you again to our mystery guest, also Jesse Spillane. Coming up, why do kids keep crawling into the trunk of a car? How many children can ride one skateboard? How many new gadgets will Conan receive? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. It was it was Inferno Noah the weird sequel to Suspiria
Not that it matters. That's oh, what there I was, was thinking some, of. Oh, there was some stuff in those floorboards. Uh, I will say to our listeners, if you want to know what Jesse looks like, he has the face of a whitewater rafter. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize if you have been listening to his voice and imagining something different. But And, and to be fair, my... my... My parents were really big on whitewater rafting, and I had gone whitewater rafting before. <laughs> um, my parents were whitewater rafting instructors at one point in their lives. So maybe, maybe I do look like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is it possible you had whitewater rafting-related mail that he could have like intercepted or, or figured that out about you somehow? No, no, <laughs> hmm. I no, I hadn't done that since I was younger, so. Just your face, then. Just your face. 